And we enjoy a bit of Bach once again. Remember, if you were listening last week, that we had the chance to talk at some length about Johann Sebastian Bach in our radio salon. It's an eclectic mix of subjects brought to us by our very own intellectual thinkers. Well, our very own anyway on Wednesday mornings. Mr. Zhang Huang, Independent Legal Researcher at Lawquad LLC. Good morning. Morning, Alex. We're going to start with you today, Professor Cho Hee Kyung from Hongik University Law. Good morning. And what have you brought in for us? Um, essentially, I guess it's corporate governance, but centering on one particular family. You're right. And you've actually discussed this on your show last Friday. I actually listened to that segment um, while I was preparing uh, for this. But I thought there was so much uh, misrepresentation about this story in the media that it was worthwhile Uh, analyzing it in some more detail and really sort of thinking about its implications. It is none other than the ouster of uh, Chairman Cho Yang-ho from the board of directors uh, of the Korean Air Company. He actually holds numerous other directorships within the group companies, but this one obviously caused a ripple, not just a ripple, actually, some wave uh, among the... Um, the corporate governance circles in Korea and also abroad. And it's actually been portrayed as uh, an ouster by a politically motivated national pension service uh, that had voted against his continued tenor on the board. And some of the headlines that I've seen seem to pin the blame uh, on his daughters and his wife for his ouster, which I thought was simply um, unfair, unwarranted, and it really sort of ignores the wrongdoings that he himself had done, which is actually significantly more serious and more substantial than whatever uh, scandals that his, the females in his family, as it were, okay. caused. Yeah, I mean, I remember myself saying, and by the way, I'm not uh, disagreeing with you at all, but at the same time, I remember saying that if it hadn't been for that nut rage incident, mm. I'm not sure whether... Uh, whether he would be, have been ousted from the board. Whether he'd be in this position now, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not trying to put the blame on Heather Chaw. right. Particularly, I'm just right. saying that it opened up a new wave of scrutiny in all sorts of areas. You're Maybe right. even the Pakenhay administration. <laughs> I mean, of course, that was about much more than that, but it, it seemed to trigger a change. Yes, in it might attitude. have precipitated uh, this event, but I think sooner or later it would have uh, come because this was not the first time that the National Pension Service had voted for him. Uh, not to sit on the board of Korean Air. Uh, between 2015 and 2018, it actually voted a number of times against the reappointment of Mr. Cho, as well as his cronies who sit uh, on the board from being reappointed uh, based on the ground that he they have too many multiple directorships uh, on the board of various group companies within Hanjin Group. And uh, so NPS has been trying to basically um, stop him from holding these multiple directorships, which basically t enriches him personally, but doesn't really seem to do very much for the management of the company itself, as we have seen by the actual rise of the share price in Korean Air after his ouster. So I, th I think one thing that we, that we can note 
um, Professor Chaw, and I'm sure we'll get the impression today that um, that this is more than warranted the the scrutiny that's being faced by this one individual, regardless of who else is in his family. But the, uh, the, the that whole nut rage incident and the convenient then focus on the water glass throwing incident by Heather Chaw's sister and the very public video footage of the mother mm. <laughs> throwing what was a pretty rageful fit uh, at, a, at a construction site. The thing about those incidents are, they draw global attention. They are a huge hook for an international media company that isn't particularly interested in corporate governance or shareholders and that sort of structure as we are. Um, they give a, a, a global interest on a story. Absolutely. And that's why I'm saying it. I think this definitely precipitated the ouster of Mr. Joe from the board. But uh, given time, I think uh, the... Um, that would have happened eventually simply because he was mismanaging the company and the remit uh, of the the uh, pension service is to ensure that um, the interests of the larger majority of the shareholders in the companies uh, that they hold shares in are served under the stewardship code under which it operates. Okay. There is no question that part of it was very much driven by the public sentiment that was caused by these various scandals uh, that happened in the recent years. But we shouldn't ignore at the same time all the criminality that actually surrounds uh, Mr. Joe. No. Uh, well, and, and perhaps we can revisit that further from a legal standpoint, which is your expertise in a moment, because I don't know how much we're in the realm of allegation still versus fact but i just have to ask mr huang who's been sitting here no, listening I... and absorbing i mean for you where's your primary interest in this i, I know you didn't choose this subject today but wh where do you feel yourself naturally drawn do you do you understand or do you sympathize with professor Chaw when when she's saying that uh, that the headlines have been focusing rather too much on the on the wife and daughter's ignoring the, the reality under the surface that these are very serious corporate allegations. And I'll also note that the headlines are such as some of the criticisms about <coughs> the MPS's intervention in this case has been sort of somewhat politically motivated. People yeah, saying politicized, it is a yeah, politicized yeah. or socialized, uh, a socialized shareholder activism, so forth. I think, you know, people who are more of a pro-chebel, uh, who have pro-chebel voices have you know, spoken up and have taken over some of the headlines as well. I mean, one thing I, I would note in addition to what Professor Cho has already said is that, you know, in one sense, uh, National Pension Fund has been just following following the, uh, the advice of his outside advisor, ISS, which is this primary proxy advisor. And, and in fact, when past uh, scandals broke out about the way that the MPS actually votes is when it actually goes against what its outside advi proxy advisor tells it to do. In this case, ISS told, recommended that Mr. Cho should not be uh, uh, re-elected as a director, and that carried the day. To go off on a slight tangent, because there are a couple of things I'd like to ask you about, Professor Chaw, based on what you've said. Do you, do you feel that there is um, a gender issue here in this particular story? I, I remember in the past, and the fact that I don't even remember the name is perhaps indicative of this. There was a corporate boss who like, threw Ramyan 
uh, a stewardess. I, well, stewardess is not the correct yeah, term so. these days. Da- director Flight of, attendant. Yes, that's right. The uh, director of one of the, I think it was Hyundai. Postco, actually. Postco. Postco. Yeah, well, so perhaps it was the fact that they weren't as well known as the the Chaw family. I don't know, but it, it feels like maybe the, do you, do you think maybe the men can get away with more? Uh, of course, I throw in a huge caveat, the fact that the mother was caught on video and these other incidents were, well, at least the nut rage one was very public. The, the water throwing incident was sort of behind closed doors. But Actually, still. this is why the story caught my eye. That very headline, which said, daughter's uh, wrongdoings bringing down the father or something like this. And I thought, hang on, come on. This is just such a classically misogynistic attitude that Korean conservative media seem to have, particularly when it comes to corporate governance matters, that... You know, there is an old saying in Korean, when the hen crows, the family will fall. And it's typical of that. Because when you think about, as I said, all the crimes that Cho himself committed, uh, he should be sitting in jail right now if those charges are, get to be proven. Um, that sort of answers the other part that I was saying before. So these are still all allegations at this point. Yes. I mean, there hasn't been a trial uh, over these charges yet, although he was indicted last year. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's still ongoing. Uh, and I believe under law, he would have actually been, had his directorship removed if these charges had been proven. At least that's... Uh, actually, I don't think... No? Yeah, I mean, for example, you know... Prep, you know, Chairman Cho, uh, Che in SK Group, he actually held on right. his directorship yes. while he was in jail. Yes, you're so, right, actually. Uh, actually, that applies to Samsung Chairman, uh, Vice right. Chairman too, mm-hmm. so more recently. But um, there's but definitely yeah, a gel- gender element in this. There's something in this, though. We've just had a, a few huge company names thrown around, and they all have something in common. They, they have this this Chebol family-run structure. Um, we are going to have a break in a second, but... I think that takes us very neatly into the next part of this conversation, which is, does it herald a new era for corporate governance in Korea? Should those other families be quaking in their boots? Um, If anyone wants to contribute to the conversation, we're also going to be addressing President Moon Jae-in's popularity or otherwise in the next half hour as well. Pound or sharp, 1013 for 51 per message. We'd love to hear from you. I'm sure so would Mr. Jung Hwang sitting alongside me. And to the other side, Professor Cho Hee-kyung. We'll be right back. Radio Salon with uh, Professor Cho Hee Kyung from Hongik University Law School bringing us her subject uh, that she chose for this week, the situation surrounding Korean Air or Hanjin, uh, a family-run group that has been so much in the news lately. Um, Of course, going years back to the whole nut rage incident and issues surrounding uh, the chairman's two daughters and wife. But as Professor Chaw was saying before, we should perhaps be looking at the man himself instead of uh, trying to sort of shift the blame onto his daughters and and his wife. We've also got here Mr. Zhang Huang, independent legal researcher at Lawquan LLC, who will be bringing his subject to us in a few moments. Uh, Good morning to you both once again. Good morning. Hello there. So, uh, Professor Chaw, a question that you 
brought us, perhaps the crux of this issue, although there is so much that could be discussed, is are we going to see a new era now? Does this signal a change for the chair board? Because you would have thought that question has already come up several times in Korea's recent history, some of the scandals. Absolutely. You know, we've had cycles uh, of periods where we thought, yes, this heralds a new era of corporate governance in Korea, you know, after the Asian um, financial crisis, after the last round of uh, global financial crisis. But things just go on the same as usual. And in this case also, basically, Cho lost the directorship on the board of Korean Air, but he has retained all other uh, appointments that he has in in the group companies. And he he actually has several, as we found out from the how much he earns from you know those group uh, company directorships that he holds. For last year, he was paid more than what was it, ten point seven billion won which is around, what, a bit more than $10 million uh, from the various directorships and probably more. Uh, There's a lot of zeros in that uh, number. Yes, that's right. Uh, because it, he hasn't actually disclosed all the directorships that he holds. So he still has a seat on the board for uh, Hanjin Carl, which is basically a group holding company um, and various other important subsidiaries. And, and even for Korean Air, uh, a lot of people associated with the group have pointed out that he still is the chairman of the company, uh, which is not a board position. And so from that position, he will still be managing the affairs of the company, despite the fact that he's not a, no longer a director. So I don't, you know, for the group, things haven't really changed. Are the other table groups quaking in their boots, as you said? I doubt it. They might uh, pay a bit more attention to, you know, um, how the press covers their group. Uh, but if you look at um, the impunity with, you know, which they act, even to this day, and also how the third generations of those, and even fourth generations of those Chebel group children are acting. Well, we heard uh, stories even earlier on today's show about drug scandals affecting grandchildren of uh, that, some of the Chebel th- founders. That's right. Um, you know, I don't see this incident alone is going to change very much. The problem is most of these boards are stacked by the cronies of uh, either the chairman or you know, people who are actually friendly to the chapel groups themselves. Well, yeah, I mean, Zhang Huang, why are people so friendly? Is it because they see them as being essential to the economy? Or is it something more than that? Like, or, or on top of that, in other words, this feeling that they're almost like royalty. For, I, I say that because if you said to me, oh, um, I've got a friend coming round for dinner tonight. He's the son of the uh, XYZ founder. I'd probably find it hard not to be somehow impressed, right. having lived in Korea for a few years. There, there is this feeling of like a sheen that you get there that you wouldn't necessarily get if it wasn't a family-run structure. I'm not, I'm not defending that, but I'm saying that perhaps we're all somehow affected by this. And furthermore, I think if you actually go to, you know, talk to people who are older and generally in sort of higher social 
<clears throat> status, I think that feeling gets stronger. And in fact, you know, uh, Korean travel families are you know, kind of infamous for being indicted for one crime or the other. And that has generated a number of judicial opinions that are public. And these judicial opinions actually have actual language saying that, well, they did terrible things, but given w- what they contribute to the economy, we should just sort of let them go. And there was sort of, you know, kind of a implicit policy in the Korean courts until a few years ago just to n- never actually sentence any c h a chairman to actual prison sentences. Professor Cho. And, you know, yeah. psychologically, I think we tend to, you know, get a little bit owed by great wealth and privilege. Uh, somehow, in theory, we should admire people who are self-made because, you know, they got to where they are due to their own effort uh, and um, dedication. But sort of deep down, I think we... you know, uh, envy and sort of um, not admire exactly, but we certainly wish ourselves to be in that position of power and wealth yeah, also. It's something that perhaps we have to check within mm. ourselves. Uh, 4580 saying, I found myself kind of becoming hesitant when I was trying to buy plane tickets before my go-to was always Korean Air. I, I remember a few years ago, the, the, the Namyang Dairy scandal. Do yes. you remember when everyone was suddenly boycotting? The Namyang Milk, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and this has happened a few times over the years with these big companies. We've seen boycotts. They, they never really seem to last. Professor Choi, we do have to move on to our next subject, but I want to give you the last word on this. If boycotts are not the answer, or perhaps they are in your opinion, what's your final word of advice on this? You know, this agency problem is not something that's unique to Korea. We just need to look at what's been happening in Japan and the Renault-Nissan um, uh, scandal with Carlos Hosen. Gon. But we need to strengthen independent directors, not just, you know, sort of call them in name as as independent directors, but really uh, make sure that people who, are, who can stand up to the c h e b o l group, uh, chairman, uh, etc., to the board of these publicly listed companies, I want to remind people, um, and also really educate these children of the c h e b o l groups better. Uh, I was reading in the newspaper just recently um, a story by John Elkin, who is the chairperson of... Um, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, and he's actually the grandson of uh, Gianni Anelli, the the great industrialist Mm -hmm. uh, of Italy, of the Anelli Group. Now, their company has been in existence since 1899, and he was recounting how when he was 12 years old, there was a fire in uh, in their house, and his grandmother basically evacuated all the children, um, and he himself included. But then the next day, she faced him and said to him, I was disappointed in you, uh, John, you know, the, the grandson, because he, John Elkin is the eldest of the grandchildren, so he was expected to carry on the family tradition. And she said to him, you should have stayed behind to make sure that uh, things were okay and sent me with the children. And he said, that's when I learned what responsibility really means. And these children of several groups understand what privilege is, but I don't think they have any understanding of what responsibility means that comes with it. Professor Chong, thank you for provoking our own minds to question our own prejudices, perhaps as well, or our own inclinations, our own subconscious desire for something that 
uh, perhaps I wouldn't like to admit publicly anyway. Uh, thank you also for bringing your topic in, Zhang Huang, and we'd love to hear that now. It surrounds President Moon Jae-in. That's right. Um, I think uh, the, my topic is looking at the sort of a falling public support for uh, President Moon Jae-in. Uh, President Moon Jae-in, if you remember, when he took office about two years ago, initially enjoyed an approval rating over 80%. But recently, his job approval rating uh, declined to 43%, the lowest point since inauguration in May of 2017. This is according to the Gallup Korea poll that was published on Friday. And in the same poll, 46% said they disapproved of President Moon's performance. This Gallup poll surveyed 1,003 adults nationwide from last Tuesday to Thursday and has the margin of error of plus or minus 3.1 percentage points at the 95% confidence level. And the, this Gallup poll also asked the reasons for people's disapproval as well as approval. Top two reasons for approval were improved inter-Korean relations for international uh, uh, improved in uh, inter-Korean relations and good international diplomacy. On the other hand, top two reasons for disapproval were economy and overly pro-North Korean tendencies. I should note that there is another poll taken around the same period that shows a slightly different result. According to a poll by RealMeter, the president's approval rating recovered a bit from the previous week by climbing up to 47.7%. This particular poll was commissioned by YTN and surveyed 2,516 adults nationwide from last Monday to Friday and has the margin of error plus or minus 2.0 percentage points at the 95% confidence level. So what should we make of this long-term downward trend of President Moon's approval rating for the past two years? What could, it, could have done and what can he do differently? And one thing I, I think I want to raise first is the fact that, according to the Gallup poll, North Korea actually becomes a reason for both approving and disapproving of President Moon's yeah. uh, performance, which is kind of interesting. What could he have done and what is people's problem? I think these, this is a point to really, you know, kind of try to, try to wrap our minds around. Yeah, well, North Korea, like Brexit in the UK, is an issue that uh, just simply is not going to please everybody and is going to divide us. But I mean, we see a, sort Cho, of yeah. a continued downward trend, but is it uh, out of the ordinary when you compare it to past presidents and actually, you know, any leader around the world? Because well, that's, that's what I wanted to ask, Professor mm -hmm. Chaw. Right. In a healthy democracy, what is an appropriate high approval rating? 50%? 60%? Is that... And because when you are at the 80% level outside your honeymoon period, it starts to look a bit suspicious. It almost means there's literally no other strong political force in the country or results are being fudged mm. you can't stay at that level can you 80 percent it's true but you know at the, at the time when you when president moon was actually showing really his you know medal in the diplomacy by uh, bringing president trump and kim jong-un together and sort of lowering tension in korean peninsula last year if you remember you know the fire and brimstone, brimstone talk that was going on between north, north korea and the united states still the approval, approval rating was well above 60 percent mm. and now the North Korea problem has sort of hit a hit a wall, so to speak. You know, people have sort of forgotten about what he has done, what President Moon Jae-in has done to reduce the tension, and sort of say, well, it's, he seems to have done some good, mm. but he, you know, a lot of people also seems to think that he's too pro North Korea. In fact, I mean, 
I, I wanted to ask, you know, isn't he hoisted by his own success, as it were? Because people's expectations were set so high when, you know, there was that historical summit between the two leader, the leaders of North and South. Uh, and it seemed that, you know, some kind of peaceful cooperation between the two Koreas was imminent. Uh, and then we kind of really stalled and, you know, there is very little momentum um, and we even seem to be going backwards right now. And that obviously has to affect his approval rating. Well, we're also seeing a situation where Huang Yuan, who's been in the news a lot surrounding today's by-elections, ha- has been for like three months the leading presidential candidate, even though we're some way off from the presidential election. But, but this is but a- only because yeah. the rest of the, uh, the votes are split among the right. other progressive candidates, right? But it, uh, and I'm not suggesting that... I would bet on him being the next president, but it's very interesting that an LKP member, in his case leader, could be in that position, and it's really time that's allowed that. So if we think of 80% popularity for President Moon at a time when the Conservative camp was on the floor here, President Park and Hayes' impeachment and expulsion from office, and then we find a situation where the LKP are just clawing their way back and i you know I, it's probably premature to talk about recovery jung huang but that 80 percent um, was never going to stay that way in this country because the fact that you've got this large conservative base that's not going to long-term support president moon right yeah that's right i mean during a lot of much of Parkinson's presidency people talked about her concrete support which were you know supposedly never fall below Anywhere between thirty-five percent to forty percent. So, if the Huang Yuan's, uh, you know, uh, uh, the support is to be believed, even that level is n- n- never been recovered. I think another uh, item to, t- to think about is the fact that another, the main item for disapproving of Mr. President Moon's performance has been the sort of the poor economy, or at least at least the economy that's in doldrums. And I think a lot of people are sort of saying that, well, we thought that the, you know the whole world might change with a new president and get rid of corruption and perhaps economy might improve but economy well you know it hasn't gotten much worse but it hasn't gotten much better so i think people might be saying that you know what really changed but isn't there also a perception problem about the economy as well because when you look at it uh, from a global perspective the korean economy is actually not doing that badly i mean you know, okay, we are buffeting headwinds, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, look, when you look at the the growth rate, uh, when you look at the job situation, particularly recently after the after you know some of the effects of the recent policies that have been implemented by this government, you know. It, it, it actually isn't that bad, but the perception of how the Korean economy is doing is really bad because of all the attacks that are made uh, on the policies implemented by the present administration, including minimum wage and you know the shorter working well, hours. That's what I was going to mention. I think that we've got the macro and the micro there, and and for people with the with the macro view, yeah, our GDP growth is not absolutely appalling by any measure, it is perhaps a little bit lower than potential. And that's a worry because we've got an aging society and and the, the clock is ticking for us to maximise our economic potential, Professor Cho and Zhang Huang. But, but the, the, the thing, thing that we hear often on this show is that at a micro level, there are a lot of small business owners out there who are very unhappy about the minimum wage thing. And that's enough to make them... 
I even question the veracity of those reports. I mean, we hear those reports, but when you actually, in fact, go out and interview the uh, the small business owners, um, a lot of them are not affected or they have found ways to cope with it. Uh, and so I really wonder how accurate those yeah. reports are. Well, I, I've not carried out a, a huge survey, but I have spoken to quite a few people, Professor Chaw, and I, I must say I have heard people complaining about mm. it. But but again, whether they're complaining because like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, like mm-hmm. you hear it in the media and then you start repeating things that you hear. Mm. Um, we've got a message here, though. Um, 9673, I guess it's hard to say what a high approval rating is and approval ratings don't reflect people's sentiments 100%, but relatively speaking, compared to the earlier phase in his presidency, Moon's ratings have fallen significantly. And yeah, perhaps... Um, if a president is doing well in any country, which is say perhaps that they should at least get just above fifty percent. Again, I mentioned Brexit before. the the the, the bar there was whoever can get a fifty percent or above was going to get their way. Maybe we should hope that a that a good president would would enjoy that. But Professor Chaw, you're a, a great lover of the arts. Some of the greatest artistic visionaries of all time were deeply unpopular in their time. Do, do, you know, should a president be afraid of unpopularity? They've, if they're going to do something a bit different, they're going to ruffle feathers. You're absolutely right. You know, uh, presidents shouldn't be hanging their administration on their approval rating. But at the same time, we are living in a democracy. And so, um, in general, the government should reflect the will of the people and um, you know, ensure that most of the population are behind what they're trying to do. Um, you, know, you also have to be careful about populism and you know, uh, yeah. demagoguery. But at the same time, um, I, I wonder though whether this 43% at this stage, uh, at this point in his presidency, which is slightly over half, uh, half term, um, is something that is that serious, particularly given the surrounding circumstances that uh, you know do make it quite difficult for them to carry out the policies that they want to implement. Yeah. We also have to remember the fact that the parliament is very much split, and so it makes it very difficult for the current administration to fully implement all the things that they really want to do. So I do wonder how things will turn out after the general election next year. But then the problem is that it really doesn't give them, the present administration, enough time really to sort of see things through. Well, we do have a situation here where we've got a few other issues to talk about as well. And 5581 has got involved saying, are we sure that the inter-Korean relationship improved so professor Choi, you were saying before that maybe the perception of the economy is not quite right but to both of you i'd like to ask because you said before jung Huang that the north korea issue is both a source of approval and disapproval we've seen a lot of dialogue we've seen a liaison office spring up we've seen certainly attempts at inter-korean cooperation uh, family reunions fundamentally have things changed as much as the Moon administration is telling us they have when, when President Moon says things like, we're not going to go back to the past? Well, first of all, as you pointed out, there is dialogue, regular dialogue with the liaison office, which you know never really existed on, uh, during the conservative administrations. And second of all, I mean, just ask yourself this question. Can you imagine North Korea you know, firing artillery shells at Yongpyeongdo now, you know? 
probably that wouldn't happen in any time soon. I think you know military tension, at least between two Koreas, has gone down. So in in that sense, I think you know we, we, we can sort of live in a relative safety. But as long as the nuclear issue is not really resolved, the the big picture of inter-Korean uh, cooperation that the Moon administration is think, thinking about, that's really not going to take place. And I think the Moon administration needs to be sort of realistic about that. Um, 4580, I don't really blame President Moon. It seems like the problem is the counterpart. <laughs> Professor Cho, back to you. So on the question of North Korean, inter-Korean relations, I definitely think it has improved. I no longer have overseas friends offering me asylum in, in case we, are, we go to war here. Right. But again, I I don't think those tensions were nearly as real as the world thought they were either. I mean, they were uncomfortable and it wasn't great to have war rhetoric thrown around. But it's always exaggerated when you are looking uh, from the outside in. Yeah. And I, I think one thing we're reflecting a lot today is things like popularity and things like achievements or the opposite, are so much down to perception. But to get a comparison, Emmanuel Macron in France, 20% approval at the end of last year when, when he saw the, right. the, and the he momentum of protest. Right, and he came into the office riding on this like huge wave of support, right? Yeah, um, and, and, and then... You know, it's clone to now power. we have riots on the Parisian streets. Yeah. So, you know, they, they, they might actually have their own version of candlelight uh, visual. So, who knows? The other question, though, here is we have this single... I wish we didn't have a single-term presidency here because it, we always have the concern that once the approval slips down to a certain point, the president becomes a sitting duck. And it's not just about that number, of course. It's mm-hmm. also about political processes. But 3016 saying it's almost a miracle that even when almost all media outlets are striving to attack Moon, his approval rating remains close to 50%. We've got to get a final word. Who wants it? You know, I actually think the single term is not not bad, but I think it should be a bit longer. If it had been a seven-year ter- single term, I think that would actually give a little bit more time for policies to really sort of take hold yeah. and for you to see the effects of them. I suppose that's a, a, a clearer way of saying it, that five years is perhaps just not long enough. Zhang Huang, 10 seconds. Well, I wonder what kind of uh, regrets the President Moon has. I mean, he, actually, he gave a, a press conference two, day, two days ago saying that, you know, that people don't really understand economic policies. I, th- I just hope that he would have been a little bolder when his approval rating was really high. Zheng Huang, Professor Cho, thank you both of us in the radio salon. Thank you. Thank you.